Hi, this is Connor Trenier. You're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Yes, that was Connor Trenier from uh, Star Trek Enterprise, or just Enterprise. Uh, grabbed him uh, for a quick audio clip uh, at the Comic-Con I was at last month. Uh, yes, this is uh, your Star Trek Sci-Fi podcast, uh, weekly, sometimes twice a week show. This is Treks in Sci-Fi, and I'm Rico. Welcome to the show. This will be podcast number 126 for June the 17th. 2007. It's a Sunday, and it's Father's Day, so happy to all the other fathers out there that are listening. Yes, it's going to be a uh, very a packed show. Seems like that's been the case for the last few weeks. Going to be covering the very classic, uh, very classic 19 early 1960s uh, sci-fi anthology show called The Outer Limits. Got a lot of great stuff to pass on and information about that show to uh, to tell all of you. Got some news in the Star Trek and Star Wars universe to discuss and a contest, uh, a Star Wars type contest that's been going for the last couple of weeks with some entries to play and some other things, a collectible, a new collectible I just got a couple of days ago to talk about. Lots of fun stuff, everyone. So I, I again, as always, thank you for downloading the show and listening. To start off with, I thought rather than playing kind of one of my usual theme musics, I would play the intro uh, to the 1960s Outer Limits TV show. Now, I believe this intro went through a couple different incarnations, a little differences in subtle things and changes that they did to the show, especially between season one and two of the show. But I will play uh, this one, and I want to say right off the front, uh, right off the bat, uh, whichever, what is the, right off the bat, I guess, is the expression. Uh, that Rob, uh, uh, a listener from Orlando, has uh, been very helpful on this Outer Limits show that you're going about, about to listen to. He has sent me quite a bit of the audio you're going to be hearing. Uh, he's a big fan of the show. So I want to thank Rob uh, right up front for helping me uh, get set to do this Outer Limits show. So here is the intro to the show, and I will be right back. There is nothing wrong with your television set. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are controlling transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will tune it to a whisper. We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. We can roll the image, make it flutter. We can change the focus to a soft blur or sharpen it to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit quietly and we will control all that you see and hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your television set. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits. Yeah, there you have uh, the intro to the Outer Limits TV show. We'll be talking about that uh, for the majority of today's podcast. It's uh, it's a great opening. Uh, really sets the mood for the show, and I've always enjoyed. Uh, that's a classic. You know, uh, we're controlling the transmission. Uh, very classic lines uh, that are used even to this day in sort of pop culture, I guess, to a degree. Obviously, especially if you're familiar with that show. So. Again, once more, thanks uh, for everyone uh, downloading and uh, listening to another episode of Treks in Sci-Fi. Uh, this Rico, it's been a, as always, I seem to say this every week, a busy week for me. Uh, work uh, and other things have kept me uh, rather busy, but it's uh, it's been fun. Did manage to uh, go out with the family, uh, even with my wife, who isn't a huge comic book sci-fi fan. We went and saw the new Fantastic Four movie on Friday when it came out. Uh, it was a good movie. I'm not going to talk a lot about it because it just came out. And But all I'll say is if you are a fan, if you like the first film, it, it's quite a bit like that. There's a lot of humor in it, uh, a lot of fun moments. Uh, the uh, I, I really get a kick out of uh, the Johnny Storm character. This one's got some neat things that happen. Uh, if you've seen the previews, uh, they, they end up sort of transferring their powers from each other. That That's pretty much out there in the trailers. Uh, that happens a few times in the movie. So you'll uh, you get a kick out of that. Uh, but it's, you know, it's not a uh, real hardcore, what I call uh, kind of tough uh, either um, 
comic book or sci-fi or fantasy film. It's it's just, you know, grab a bucket of popcorn and go, and go have some fun and see uh, the rise of the Silver Surfer. Oh, which they did a great job with the Surfer character as far as the way he looks and the effects. Uh, there's no uh, denying that CGI and computer animation and in movies these days is really making them uh, go a long way. So, Fantastic Four, fun movie. Now, before we go uh, much further, I want to make the uh, a few kind of general announcements as far as the, the show, if you're kind of new or even if you're not. Uh, the the way to get in touch with me uh, is via email for the show, treksf at gmail.com. There's also a fairly new voicemail number. The old one is not uh, working anymore. I had to change it. Uh, the new voicemail number for the podcast is 206-666-6127. So uh, if you need to uh, you know, send an audio comment about a movie, TV show that you're watching, anything like that, uh, send those on in. And with regards to that, I have a, uh, a segment here. It's about three minutes long, but I'm going to play it. It's... Uh, it's by James. Uh, he has uh, some comments about the uh, TV show Kyle XY that I thought we'd pass along to everyone listening. Now, I have to say, I haven't caught this show very much. I want to catch up on it. Uh, I've heard some good things from some friends and some people on the uh, Treks and Sci-Fi forums. But uh, Which, of course, did I say the website for the show? If no one uh, if, is not familiar, treksf.com or treksinsci-fi.com, yes. But anyway, here's uh, James and his comments about uh, Kyle XY. Hello, Rico. This is James Earl from the great state of New York. New York. Uh, I really like the podcast, and I really have fun listening to it each week. Um, I just wanted to do a, some quick reviews of some great um, shows that come out over the summer. There's some great shows that I love to watch over the summer. I mean, they're just some great shows, and some people, they stop watching TV over the summer because they don't think there's any good shows on there. But there are some really great ones that I just love to watch, and I have fun watching them. Um, the first show I want to talk about um, is Kyle XY. It's a really great show. It's on ABC Family, and I, I know that's a weird channel to usually be watching shows on. But this is a really great sci-fi show. It, it, it's really fun to watch. It's, it's similar to Lost. If, you, if you're a fan of the TV show Lost on ABC, you really enjoy Kyle XY on ABC Family. It has the same sort of mystery. It makes you wonder what, what's going on. And it's really just fun to watch and try and figure out things from week to week. It just came back last Monday, last Monday night, um, and it was really good, the new season premiere. If you missed last season, they have it out on DVD, season one on DVD, or you can catch them on iTunes. And if you missed the season premiere, they also have that on iTunes, and I believe they either show it on ABC later on in the week, or you can also see it on their website, I believe. Um, don't quote me on that. But the show follows a kid who really, at the beginning of the first season, doesn't know anything. He doesn't know how to speak or do anything. And it's really kind of fun. Um, you, and he's really smart. He has a humongous amount of brain power. And you can see him starting to learn things. And it's also funny to uh, see his misconceptions about uh, humanity. He thinks some things about us the way that we act, and he uh, gets them wrong. It's kind of fun to look at his how naive he is. But it's really fun to watch, and he has no belly button, and that's a really big mystery. And so throughout the first season, at least, you try and figure out more about um, this character of Kyle. He gets taken in by a family called the Traegers, who um, watch him and protect him. But all the while, this company's out to get him, and he doesn't know why. Now, if you saw the beginning of season two, it answered a lot of questions, but also brought up a lot of new ones. But But if you love the mystery show like Lost then you really should check out Kyle XY because it's just fun to watch. Again, if you missed it, you can catch it on iTunes, probably the website, I'm not sure about that, or you can catch it on DVD. Um, Well, make sure you check this out, and I'll hopefully be back next week with another show to review. Have a good day, and watch some more summer TV. Bye. Well, thanks very much, James Earl, for uh, that great uh, discussion or a little review there of Kyle XY. Yeah, for some reason when that came on last year, I, I never got a chance to get into it. Uh, it could have been even part of what you uh, commented on about people not watching TV during the summer, although I still watch stuff. There's a lot of new things that come on, like the, on the Sci-Fi Channel especially, 
the Stargate shows, uh, Eureka, other things. Uh, but anyway, for some reason, I never caught up on Kyle, so I'm going to have to check out the DVDs and see if I can catch up on that show. You've uh, definitely piqued my interest uh, for that. Uh, so thanks a lot, James. Looking forward to more of your uh, summer reviews. All right, let's uh, let's shift over and talk uh, briefly, real, real briefly, briefly, <laughs> briefly about some uh, sci-fi news, Star Trek and Star Wars things, especially on the Star Trek front. Uh, not a lot of really new things going on in discussion about the movie, uh, although I've heard that they're pushing it back a month. It might not uh, be filmed, uh, or I should say, not the release of it. Uh, let me correct that real quick. The release is still set for December 25th, uh, 2008, a year from this Christmas. But the filming, the starting of the filming may not happen until uh, November instead of uh, a little earlier in the fall like they first were saying. They're still working on the script, still casting. It's still predicted to be kind of a, a Kirk uh, Spock tale, at least. It's, it's not confirmed yet. One interesting little tidbit that I read about... Uh, which who knows what will happen with these, are some people that are uh, expressing some interest in the movie and, and, and being in the movie. Uh, one interesting one I heard was Daniel Craig, who did the uh, great uh, latest Casino Royale movie, the latest James Bond film. I guess he's a bit of a Trek fan, and he's uh, he kind of tossed out a comment somewhere that said he'd, he'd love to have a little part in, in the movie or perhaps even in a TV show if it ever comes back in some form. So... The other uh, really confirmed thing is it's really the. It sounds like they're just calling it Star Trek. The movie won't have a subtitle. It won't have a number after it. It's just going to be simply Star Trek. Um, so it's it's kind of almost tricky to refer to it that way. It becomes a little confusing. I think I'm not sure if I was working on it. If I would have gone that way, I would have maybe um, maybe put some kind of subtitle after it. I've never really been a huge fan of numbers in movie titles. I like. I don't mind. Um, you know, calling something, you know, Star Trek The Voyage Home, uh, Star Trek The Wrath of Khan, but but throwing a number in there always seems kind of silly, which they, they've pretty much avoided that. Uh, a couple of the films had a number associated in it, but most of them were just Star Trek and then with a subtitle. But anyway, that's it for uh, on the movie front. Uh, you should check out, though, on the fan film front, uh, the, the New Voyages. Go to newvoyages.com, which is one of the sort of uh, very premier, high-level uh, Star Trek fan film series out there. They got a new one coming up with George uh, George Takei Sulu that should be releasing uh, really soon. But one thing I saw on their website just recently, they have this sort of uh, e-magazine they're putting out with some behind-the-scenes photos. Uh, it's it's an Adobe format. You can download it off their website. Just go to New Voyages, search on the news section, and you'll find it. I'll put a link. I'll try to put a link in the podcast notes for this week but it's it's really slick that they're doing this and it's a nice thing extra behind the scenes uh uh clips and you know uh pictures from the sets which they they do a really great job on the set so check that out when you get a chance also wanted to mention that uh the current uh running star trek magazine i just got a new issue uh what are we up to i think this is maybe issue five since it's sort of started up again you know, by done by uh, Titan Magazine. It's got a picture of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy on the front cover. It, it's primarily uh, an issue all about the Doomsday Machine. Interviews with people that worked on that show. Uh, discussions about the enhanced episode that they did. So check that out. And of course, the enhanced episodes are still playing. This weekend's episode was, or is Plato's Stepchildren, which is kind of, you know... It's kind of strange. They did Spock's Brain like a week ago, Plato's Stepchildren, and there are still episodes from from the early seasons which are considerably better, I think, uh, to to enhance and release, but also would probably involve more special effects. The uh, one episode that's coming up I think that they're doing that should be pretty cool for enhanced uh, effects is The Ultimate Computer. They are finally doing that one, which, of course, they have the four starship uh, space battles going on in that episode i think that one will be a lot of fun to watch uh in the new effects and enhanced version of course the originals are always going to be still available they're out on dvd a couple of releases of those and at some point in the time when they release them on on some improved like hd format uh i'm hoping that they'll release the original versions and the enhanced versions all on the same disc so you could kind of have both on one disc for the people that haven't bought the DVDs yet. So 
So check those out. They're on at weird times. Uh, there are links uh, on the forums. If you go to StarTrek.com, you can find out uh, where they're airing or what times in your area. I think in, where I live in the Michigan area, they air at like 2 in the morning on, on Sunday morning. So just set the TiVos or the DVRs that you have, VCRs even, and you'll be able to record them even if they're on at those odd times. Okay, let's uh, shift uh, gears over to uh, the Star Wars realm of things. One thing, uh, the main thing I wanted to mention on the Star Wars realm is tonight, uh, Sunday night, June 17th, uh, on the Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, Robot Chicken is doing a whole 30-minute long Star Wars episode, which is looking very, very funny. I'm a big fan of Seth Green and, and all the other guys that work on Robot Chicken. I've watched it for the past two seasons it's been on. They do this sort of um, animation work with action figures and just put uh, characters in all kinds of weird situations, superheroes, a lot of things, references to Star Wars and Star Trek, uh, really great stuff. If you haven't watched Robot Chicken, check it out. I'm going to play a a short clip from that upcoming show. They actually got George Lucas to do a voice to record some lines for this show. So so listen to uh, George Lucas in his little guest segment, a little bit of it from the uh, upcoming Star Wars Robot Chicken special. It all started in 1978 when I let people make a Star Wars TV special without me. The holiday special, I remember. It came out so bad! I hate it! I hate it! I hate it! I hate it! George, remember what I said about controlling your emotions? Yeah, can't follow the dark side. Thing is that I did it again. I let those guys at Robot Chicken make a Star Wars TV show. You mean Robot Chicken, the hot show on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim, did a whole show just on Star Wars? Yeah, twice as long as a normal show. A full half hour. I don't know what I was thinking. Thirty years of progress down the drain. Well, they did make me into an action figure. And they said I could keep it. Well, that is pretty cool. Oh my goodness, that that uh, special is going to be so funny. Probably by the ch- time most people hear this podcast, it may have already aired, but check your local listings. I'm sure they're going to be airing it multiple times over the next few weeks. The Robot Chicken Star Wars special, only on the Cartoon Network. Hey Rico, it's Kenny from California, also known as Star Trek Fanatic 5 on the forums, and I'm also the moderator on the forums. I wanted to invite all your listeners to come check out the forums. The forums is a great place to get the latest sci-fi and fantasy news. We also discuss the latest movies, TV shows, gaming, books, collectibles, and comic books. And there's a special section for Star Trek and Star Wars. The forums are fun and informative. Here's a few comments from other members of the forum. This is Jeff. Jenna Jeff on the forums. I'd like to say how much I enjoy the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. The forum members post on a lot of great sci-fi topics. I enjoy the different forum areas, with collecting being my favorite. The Treks and Sci-Fi forums make the podcast more enjoyable for me. I encourage other listeners to join and participate. This is Dukin or Sam, if you've heard me on the podcast. And I like them because I'm a geek. And being a geek, I get picked on, even beat up, called names. And I don't like that. It's not very fun at all. I mean, everyone's gone through that. But at the Treks and Sci-Fi forums, we could do anything. We could talk about Star Trek, Star Wars, games, movies, everything, Battlestar Galactica, heroes. Um, have a great time on those forums. Uh, catch you later. Peace. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land. I'm Moyer777. There are four lights. That's my son, four lights. <laughs> Stop it, jeez. Picard, go take an aspirin or something, jeez. Hey, anyway, uh, we're commenting on the forums on treksandsci-fi.com because we really like the forums. I've been involved in some other forums out there on the Internet, and uh, I have to say that we always get in fights and people put each other down. It's no fun. But in this particular forum, it's really a blast because we all have one thing in common, our love for Trek and for sci-fi related things so it's really fun it's a community of people from all sorts of walks and ranges of life and uh, all getting together and talking about the cool episodes and the cool collectibles and the just all that sci-fi stuff it's a blast so we recommend that you be part of it i i really enjoy the forums because i think that we're able to talk about 
you know, sci-fi and Star Trek, unlike other people where we could just like walk into a store and we try talking to somebody about Star Trek or Star Wars or whatever. Actually, usually Star Wars people understand, but Star Trek, they um, usually look you weird in the eye if you start trying to say like a quote or something. And we recommend it for anybody that's listening to the podcast. Rico rocks! Rock, dude. Hi there. Do you love Star Trek? Do you enjoy science fiction? Are you crying out for somewhere to share your thoughts and opinions on all things sci-fi? Are you geeky enough? And do you enjoy chatting with other geeks? If so, then go to treksf.com and sign up for the forums. I did, and now I'm geekier than ever. So, come along, join the fun, and remember, the geek shall inherit the earth. Trekkie Geek, signing off. As you can hear, we have a great time on the forums, so stop on by and check it out. Go to treksf.com, click on the forums link, and sign on up. Hope to see you on the boards. Well, thanks a lot, everyone, for uh, talking about the forums, all those guys that just did that, uh, Kenny and the Moyers and Dukin and the Trekkie Geek. Uh, just uh, really great uh, people and, and great place to uh, talk to them and talk about all the new movies and TV shows and Trek and Star Wars and everything. So check it out, treksf.com. Click on the forum links and sign up. Also, if you're a member of the forums, you get the weekly uh, newsletter, which tells you what's going on in the podcast, all the links to the show. So there's another incentive for you. If you're a member of the forums, you get that special newsletter for the podcast. So check it out uh, when you get a chance. All right, I want to get into talking about uh, the big subject, talking about the outer limits. Uh, uh, let me preface this a little bit. Uh, the Outer Limits TV show uh, is is not, unlike Star Trek and Star Wars to the degree that I know those, I'm very, you know, I'm pretty well versed in The Outer Limits. I think I've seen just about every episode. I have them on DVD, it, but they obviously are, are, it's another show, which I've covered other TV shows in the past, Twilight Zone and others that um, I'm not nearly as up on as Star Trek, Star Wars, and the main kind of topics that I usually discuss each week on the podcast. So, with all that said, if I go through any of this information and there's some little thing that I need to correct, uh, please email me. I'd be happy to correct it and talk about it on next week's show or in the future or whenever. Uh, I'm going to try to keep it pretty basic. Uh, I've been looking through the internet. Uh, I've been looking through this uh, great book that I have called let me say, uh, tell you about that a little bit right now. It's called The Outer Limits, The Official Companion by a guy named David J. Shaw, S-C-H-O-W, and Jeffrey Frentzen, F-R-E-N-T-Z-E-N. It's uh, it's a great little companion guidebook. I got it uh, quite a few years ago. It's a paperback, uh, and I'm not sure if you can still find it. You could probably just search for uh, on Amazon, The Outer Limits Official Companion. You might be able to find it. I'll try to look for that uh, when I'm done with the recording. And if there is a link to it, I'll try to put that in the podcast notes. But it's a great, great guidebook to The Outer Limits. Okay, The Outer Limits, uh, a classic sci-fi TV show from uh, ran for 49 episodes uh, from 1965 to 1967, I believe. So it uh, it was just before Star Trek came on the air, basically, is when it really aired. Uh, it, uh, only, it lasted really a short time. It's pretty amazing. You know, the Twilight Zone lasted quite a few seasons. I'm trying to remember how many it, it lasted, six, seven, something like that. I, I, did, I did that Twilight Zone podcast. Man, it seems like it was a long time ago now, but uh, it lasted, uh, Twilight Zone lasted for quite a few uh, more seasons than The Outer Limits, but... Both of these shows, both of these anthology sci-fi shows that are, you know, were filmed in black and white. You know, the the aliens and the effects, maybe not, of course, up to modern day standards. But these these shows were really all about the story, really about you know human beings coming in contact with with aliens, with weird situations, technology, uh, just strange stuff going on, and how people would have to deal with that. It, and what that would mean to them. So, you know, a lot like the original Star Trek series, in my opinion, where even though they are enhancing the effects and things these days, the the stories were really, uh, or the the shows were really about the stories, about the scripts, about about the the great writing and uh, what they had come up with. So, the Outer Limits falls directly into that kind of category. Uh, I definitely agree and uh, with that situation. 
It is a um, it was an ABC TV show created by a guy named Leslie Steele, excuse me, Leslie Stevens, and Joseph Stefano are primarily uh, responsible for The Outer Limits. Uh, it's like another, another guy named Dan Melnick, uh, who was a uh, very young, he was only 26 years old at the time. He was the vice president of programming at ABC uh, when uh, Leslie Nielsen kind of pitched the idea of this uh, hour-long sci-fi anthology show to him. And uh, they came up with some of the initial, you know, kind of pitches and how they the, how they'd uh, pitch it to advertisers and things like that. So those three guys, uh, especially of course Leslie Leslie Nielsen, excuse me, were the the main uh, uh, architects, I guess is the way to call it, uh, creators of the Outer Limits. This show, uh, Leslie Steele, Stevens, excuse me, to give you some background on it, he was a lot like, in, in, you know, when you read about him, a lot like Gene Roddenberry. He was a uh, primarily first a writer. He actually created and wrote a lot of plays and did performances, kind of got into it when he was in the Army. He created little uh, stage shows for the, for the guys. He was an intelligence officer in the Army, and he also uh, wrote things and created little stage shows for the guys that were in, in the uh, – in the military to kind of entertain the troops, that kind of a thing. He was actually, though, in the Army at the time. He wasn't like a, a USO touring group or anything like that. But he had uh, he had a lot of writing background, uh, producing, directing. Uh, he was sort of a three, uh, three-tier three person and uh, sort of back in the early days of Hollywood. And I, I think it's this way a little bit kind of coming back these days, but... You know, Leslie Steele, Stevens, excuse me, like uh, Gene Roddenberry, was somebody who was very interested in keeping control and uh, keeping a hold on what he would create and, and, and the show he wanted to do. And he felt that the only way to really do that was basically to do all the jobs. He would write shows. He would write scripts. He would produce the show. He would direct some of the shows. So his way of uh, kind of keeping creative control of The Outer Limits and other things that he worked on was to it was to basically do these multitask multi jobs. You know, when you write a script, a lot of a lot of writers out there that you'll hear about uh, if you really dig into Hollywood in general and TV, especially I think movies as well. But you write a script, you kind of sell it, and at that point, you, you, for the most part, you're done with it. And then the guys who buy the script can twist it, turn it, change it, whatever when they produce it, if they ever do. And, you, you know, what you write down may not make it onto the screen the, the way you intended. Well, uh, guys like Leslie Neil, uh, Leslie, why do I keep doing, to calling him Leslie Nielsen, the uh, actor? Leslie Stevens, excuse me. Uh, the, again, like Gene Roddenberry, the way they controlled the situation was, hey, I'll, uh, I'll create the show. I'll write a lot of the shows. Uh, even The Yard of Limits had a, had a great um, group of science fiction writers, Harlan Ellison and, and uh, among many others that, that contributed to the show, just like uh, even though Rod uh, Rod Sterling, excuse me, not Rod Sterling, Rod Serling, I can't talk, need more Gatorade. <laughs> anyway, Rod Serling had uh, kept control out of the Twilight Zone by, by writing so many of the episodes. Anyway, let's go back to uh, Outer Limits. So you got this uh, Leslie Stevens guy who's uh, working on the show, pitching it to the network. Uh, another sci-fi anthology show, which a very difficult thing. You know, sci-fi seems to be all over the television these days. A lot of new shows going to be coming on next year. We have a whole network now, a sci-fi channel. You know, back in the 60s, though, these, you know, they could never even imagine. Sci-fi was not the easiest thing to sell. And on top of that... Very hard to sell a show, even though The Twilight Zone had had sort of some moderate success, but very hard to sell a show that didn't have a core group of actors and characters. You know, each week they would have to create a new situation, cast it, uh, have the show written and and, uh, filmed and everything in like about a week's time, and that was a huge amount of work. Uh, But, you know, this show, just like The Twilight Zone, Star Trek, and, and a lot of other classics from that time period, are still being seen today in, in rerun, syndication, uh, out on DVDs, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, it, you know, it's a testament to the quality, I think, and the just the amazing stories that they were able to come up with when they did these shows that, that it's still showing to this day. Now, let me give you a little more information. Um, Leslie Steven, Stevens uh, formed, I'm just going to call him Leslie. <laughs> Leslie Stevens formed a 
company called Daystar Productions, which uh, which was basically sort of a production company uh, that he formed to to work uh, get a group of guys together that he had confidence in and faith in to work on the Outer Limits. This uh, a couple of the notable ones here. Uh, and what, what I want to say, too, is a lot of people, both behind the scenes and in front of the camera from the original Star Trek series, worked on The Outer Limits. One of the biggest ones was uh, Robert Justman, Bob Justman, who ended up being one of the producers on Star Trek, uh, was, uh, was also a, uh, he was first the, uh, he was like the first, uh, first assistant director on The Outer Limits. Uh, that was his kind of uh, beginning role there, Bob Justman. But then he worked. He went on to become the basically the production manager for the show, which of course that that role is he's responsible for getting the job done, getting the scripts uh, completed, uh, making sure everything for the production is is taken care of. Uh, sort of the showrunner to to some degree. Other guys, uh, uh, great music in this show, just like uh, Star Trek, Twilight Zone, a lot of early sci-fi that used. Uh, yeah, and like they did in, even in the Star Wars movies where music was such an important part of the show, they got a guy named Dominic uh, Frontier. I think he's a French, uh, F-R-O-N-T-I-E-R-E. Yeah, he was the uh, primary composer for the music that was used in The Outer Limits. And I've got some clips to play here in a couple minutes, but you'll, you'll hear in some of this uh, just the amazing music he did for the show couple other guys i wanted to mention jack poplin was the uh, set designer uh really really good job uh what he was able to create each each week on a very small budget to create these different sets and uh situations uh really really neat stuff that they came up with uh they had some really top-notch film directors or film excuse me not directors photographers they also had some good directors as well uh john nicholas one of them another guy named conrad hall who was just starting out Went on to film a lot of classic, uh, classic movies. I have to say also uh, a little bit about Joseph Stefano here. Uh, the, he was a writer in Hollywood, formed his own company. Uh, really amazing uh, scriptwriter. Uh, one of one of the most probably biggest things he ever worked on was the uh, Psycho movie with Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, he wrote the script for that and. Uh, Really an amazing guy, and actually he kind of uh, upset Alfred Hitchcock when he took the the job to work on The Outer Limits because Hitch wanted him to uh, do some more work with him on another movie, and he kind of sort of bowed out of that. And, and, and anybody that can kind of go up against, if anyone out there knows about uh, the the tradition, not tradition, uh, the, the uh, character of Alfred Hitchcock, he wasn't the kind of guy that you really kind of said no to or that you would uh, want to get upset at you. Uh, he was a he was a pretty strong presence, and uh, but Joseph Stefano wanted to work on uh, the Outer Limits with uh, with Leslie Stevens, and he said, "Well, that's what I'm going to do." So I want to uh, get into a few other more details about some of the episodes and things like that. Now, uh, a lot of the actors, like I said, from Star Trek ended up on the Outer Limits: William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, Grace Lee Whitney, uh, just uh, to name a few. And also, again, behind-the-scenes people like Bob Justman also worked on the show. I've got, though, what I want to play at this point, I think, since I've been rambling and, and talking. Not exactly rambling, I don't think. Getting on some good Outer Limits, cool information. But I have, uh, like I said early on, uh, Rob, uh, one of the listeners out there who was a big Outer Limits fan, sent me a, a really nice bit of audio that where he talked about the show and other things, things I've already been mentioning, but I wanted you to get a chance to listen to this because he's obviously a big fan, knows the show very well. It's about four or so minutes, four or five minutes long, but he talks about the show, what he thinks about it, and I'm going to slip that in here, and then I'm going to come back and talk about some specific episodes from The Outer Limits. So listen to Rob now, and I'll be right back. You do not move. I do not see you, but I receive your brain patterns. Hello, Rico. This is Robert in Orlando, Florida. Several weeks back in your landmark 100th episode, you mentioned that you were working on an episode that would look into the great anthology series, The Outer Limits, especially the version 
that originally aired in the 1963 through 1965 seasons. This, I feel, is probably a grandfather series to the series Star Trek. The Outer Limits official companion stated that Gene Roddenberry paid a lot of attention to what the Outer Limits team was doing at that time. He was often present in their studios. And of course, later, he hired several of the Outer Limits alumni for the production of Star Trek. This would include William Shatner, who played a role on the episode Cold Hands, Warm Heart, as an astronaut. Jeff Barton, returning from a mission to Venus under the codename Project Vulcan. Anybody got any coffee out there? Lennon Nimoy played a role in the episode called iRobot, where he played a brash reporter covering a story. Practically human. Grace Lee Whitney, who played uh, Yeoman Janice Rand, played uh, in an episode called The Controlled Experiment, where she played Carla Duveen. This is probably one of the coolest episodes a uh, cast member of Star Trek did on The Outer Limits. James Doohan also played a uh, police detective, and also, you would see performances from Barry Morris and Martin Landau from Space 1999. Also, a few of the monsters that they used on The Outer Limits reappeared in the uh, 1960s Star Trek show. I have to tell you that as I scanned through the episodes from the 1963 through 1965 seasons, you see a lot of actors that ended up on the original Star Trek series. Without sounding like a purist, I really do feel that the 1960s version of The Outer Limits was the best. Something about the way it was shot in black and white, and the way they lit the show, and the way they depicted the special effects, and the makeup on the show, just makes it particularly eerie, frightening, and fun. I also love the prologues and epilogues that they have at the end of each episode with the beautiful music that they put underneath it most of the time. It just sort of completes the mood for each episode. I have to tell you, it's uh, probably one of the most memorable TV shows besides Star Trek that I remember as a young boy. I saw the first episode of The Outer Limits as an 11-year-old boy sitting in the dark in a room in Brooklyn, New York. And the first episode that was aired was The Galaxy Bee. And I had just dreams about that monster for decades after. It just never left me. And it wasn't like it was always nightmares. It was just something that I just never forgot. It was just one of those memorable, memorable experiences that you have. And it was only matched by the experience that I had when I saw the original Star Trek series. Which is why I feel these two series are so linked to each other in so many ways. So I just wanted to say to you, thanks so much for dedicating some of your time to this television series, and I'm really looking forward to this episode of Treks in Sci-Fi. And I'll be listening to all your podcasts in the future. Good luck, Rico. We now return control of your television set to you until next week at this same time when the control voice will take you to The Outer Limits. Well, thanks a lot, Rob, for that great discussion about... Uh, the Outer Limits, yeah. A lot of great people worked on the show. Uh, even uh, somebody, uh, John Chambers, I think that's his name, John Chambers, yeah, who did uh, the makeup for the Planet of the Apes films. Uh, some of those early ape makeup uh, work that he did, he ended up working on a lot of the alien makeup on The Outer Limits. But I, listening to your, your clips, I, I already realized I made one huge goof when I talked about the show at first. It's It ran from... Yeah, it ran from, of course, 1963 to 1965. I think I said earlier, uh, 65 to 67. I know it ran for two two seasons, two years, and I had 1965 written down, but that was the end of it, not the be- beginning, of course, because it happened just before Trek came on, before the original series of Star Trek came on. So 
there you go. From 63, um, uh, fall of 63 to just January of 1965 is when the Outer Limits first ran. I did want to throw in here and mention, I'm not going to have a chance really on this podcast, maybe in the future times, but they have done a, a future uh, Outer Limits TV show. Uh, this was uh, the, the main uh, one that I'm thinking of is the one that ran on, I think, the Showtime Cable Network, which I've seen. I've seen quite a few of those episodes, and they've done some good ones. They were color, of course, uh, in, you know, modern day, and I think they're if they're not all out on DVD, they probably will be soon. I think they probably even are all out. Uh, I'm not sure how much, but I don't want to get into that too much. I just wanted to make people aware of uh, there. there is another version of The Outer Limits and out there. Just like they did with the Twilight Zone, uh, they did other incarnations of it. But this show primarily is focused on the 60s show, which I feel is a classic, great stories. And let's get into talking about some individual episodes. Uh, first one I wanted to hit on is this one with William Shatner, uh, Cold uh, Cold Hands, Warm Heart, I believe is the name of it. He plays basically a uh, kind of an astronaut. He goes to Venus and then he comes back and he's been kind of changed or starts to see weird things. And, uh, well, let me play, I've got a little, uh, little bit of a clip from it, so I'll play that for you now. Day, ...they had their opportunity to hear this national hero as he described his epoch-making voyage. Now that we've been able to orbit Venus, we're a lot closer to our ultimate goal, Mars, the next stage of Project Vulcan. And none of us is going to rest very much until it is completed. In fact, I look forward to a good long rest in one of the houses we'll be building on Mars as part of the project. Yeah, that's really funny to hear uh, Shatner uh, talking about uh, the project Project Vulcan going to Venus and Mars. Uh, it's uh, pretty interesting. Uh, of course, going to Venus, landing on Venus would be incredibly difficult because of the high high pressures and, and clouds that the atmosphere exerts and the acid uh, in the atmosphere. But you know, the science part of it. It's, it's again. It, anything in science fiction, they take a little bit of something and then they kind of twist it and, and to create a very cool, interesting story. So, so that's uh, that episode uh, one of one of the good ones I feel, especially seeing Shatner just in his pre-Kirk days. Okay, here's another uh, clip with a Star Trek alum uh, from the In the Outer Limits. Uh, I, I don't want to make everyone think that there were only Star Trek uh, actors that ended up on the Outer Limits. I'm just I figured for this podcast, I would I would throw some of these clips out from. Uh, from the different actors. Uh, this one's with Leonard Nimoy uh, in an episode called I, Robot. Well, for once, we're going to be on the same team. And, brother, you'll need me. I know you, Mr. Cutler. You're as automatic as that robot. Are you referring to Mr. Adam Link? The living egg beater. Mm. Practically human. It's a good episode there, uh, one of the later ones from the series. It's basically a robot's kind of on trial for murder, I believe, and uh, Leonard Nimoy is sort of a guy covering the, the story. It's a, a good, interesting idea, and definitely traces of that type of idea end up in Star Trek, especially in the character of Data and the episode The Measure of a Man later on, uh, way in the future in Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, another classic, uh, one of the classic Outer Limits episodes, and I can only give you really a brief, uh, brief look at some of these. You really have got to see the show for yourself. Uh, definitely rent the DVDs uh, or buy the, the two seasons that are out. Uh, definitely a worthwhile investment. But to get back to our clips, this next one is by, uh, the story is uh, by Harlan Ellison, who wrote the classic, uh, my favorite Star Trek episode, City on the Edge of Forever. He wrote this episode of The Outer Limits called Demon with a Glass Hand. And it features uh, the wonderful actor Robert Culp in the main role, uh, who has this glass hand uh, that's very interesting. I don't want to say much about this episode because I, I feel I would give too much away, but listen to the clip at least that I've got for you. What could I do? Who are they? Programming data insufficient on question two. Who are they? Random correlation of possibilities. Question one. What can I do in order of factors of success are as follows. A. Each pursuer wears a gold medallion. Remove these medallions. B. The time mirror permits only two travelers at one time, but they are replenishable. If possible, destroy the mirror. C. Stay alive. Above all, stay alive. Destiny is in your whole hand. D. I am incomplete. I can serve you better if I am complete. 
Yeah, that's a uh, a very very cool slick episode by Harlan Ellison there. Uh, the man, with, uh, excuse me, demon with a glass hand. Very neat episode uh, to see. I, I realize I forgot to talk a little bit about the pilot episode, the first episode. Uh, I be- think uh, Rob talked about it a little bit. It was uh, it ended up being called the Galaxy Being. Uh, it was uh, first being uh, written. Uh, the working title, original title, was Please Stand By. Uh, and th- this episode was it was a really cool episode. Uh, really, mostly uh, featured one actor, uh, Cliff Robertson, in the in the main role uh, as this sort of uh, kind of scientist radio guy. And he ends up contacting this alien through a um, through a radio station. The a couple things interesting about this episode: first shot, it was uh, shot in 1962. Of course, it went on the air in 1963. It it cost like over two hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thirteen thousand dollars to make, which in the early sixties that was a lot of money. Two hundred thousand dollars for an episode of television was a lot of money back in nineteen sixty two. Took nine days to film. Uh, they found an old uh, uh, abandoned radio uh, station that they could use to do most of the filming in. Uh, very very cool episode. A great way to start the show. And the you know the the talent uh, of both behind and in front of the camera again in the outer limits is, is just amazing. I've got another clip here I want to play for you, and then I'm going to kind of have to wrap this up because I've got a few other things to co- uh, cover on this week's podcast. But this next one features uh, Carol O'Connor, of course, Archie Bunker, most famous for uh, that role in All in the Family. Uh, Barry Morse, uh, I believe Rob talked about him. He, of course, went on to uh, to play Victor on Space 1999. And Grace Lee Whitney, who was Yeoman Ran on Star Trek. They're all in this clip. So listen to this one, and, uh, and I'll be back in a sec. Laser beam monitor. Affirmative. Ten. episode i want to talk about uh this one's called the the sixth finger uh very cool episode basically a scientist becomes a sort of a future man uh becomes sort of evolved uh millions of years in the future evolved even starts to form a sixth finger gets a really huge head literally uh pointy ears uh david mccallum is uh who also was on the classic tv show the man from uncle plays the title role Really cool episode uh, and uh, really interesting stuff. The Six Finger. Here's a clip from that. I finished these books. Where's Dawn? Why aren't you asleep? I no longer have any need for sleep. Continue to evolve. Your hand. The Sixth Finger. When did it develop? Sometime during the night. I was too absorbed in reading to notice it. How is it possible? Must the pupil explain to the teacher? It's really quite simple. You release the mechanism of evolution, which is a self-generating force. It is now mutating under its own impetus. I am now where man will be approximately one million years from today. Why are you laughing? (laughs) I am laughing at what is in your mind, Professor. You think that I've become a monster. Need I remind you that everything is relative? For me, you look as monstrous as the missing link. Yeah, good episode there, uh, The Sixth Finger from the Outer Limits. Uh, I really wish I I could spend more time on this. Maybe I'll do a future uh, episode, uh, which I'll cover a little bit more of the 60s show and some of the uh, later Showtime episodes, but... Definitely. If I, I don't know if I've done a good job, if you've never seen the show, of encouraging you to check it out. But if, you, uh, if you're somebody who likes The Twilight Zone, if you like good stories and really interesting thoughts and concepts and ideas, definitely go out and rent uh, you know, a disc online or a Blockbuster or wherever, Netflix, 
or buy the episodes uh the outer limits the two seasons out on dvd definitely definitely worth it uh every episode's got something very interesting and thought-provoking in it and I just can't say enough good things about this. Uh, just like the Twilight Zone, classics of uh, of sci-fi television uh, from the 1960s. And, uh, you know, it'll go on forever, I think. So with that, I'm going to take a very short break here. I'm going to be back with our uh, our contest entries and a quick look at a collectible. So I'll be right back. This is Chad from Boise, Idaho, also known as Kelpesh. And you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi with our friend, Rio. Okay, I'm back. Uh, if you remember the contest that I announced a couple of weeks ago, basically I wanted people to uh, reenact a short little scene uh, from uh, the Star Wars, any of the Star Wars films. And I got just a few entries and this was to win the uh, Art of the Phantom Menace hardcover book that I've got an extra copy of here to give away to the winner. Uh, we just got, uh, I believe, uh, well, I've got basically three entries, but one uh, g- group of creative individuals did two entries. But they'll just be entered in the contest once for that. But I want to play all their clips. So the first one up is uh, Kenny. This is Kenny's clip from California, and here is his Star Wars scene. So listen to this. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. It was you who killed him. No. I am your father. No. No, that's not true. That's impossible. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. No. No. No! Well, thanks, Kenny, for that. That was great. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, next one, we've got Duster with his Star Wars scene. Hi, this is Duster, and this is my reenactment of a Star Wars scene, but it's it's been regionalized. You know, I think that R2 unit we bought might have been stolen. Who makes you think that? Well, I stumbled across a recording while I was cleaning him. He says he belongs to someone called Obi-Wan Kenobi. I thought he might have meant old Ben. Do you know what he's talking about? I wonder if he's related to Ben. <laughs> that old man's just crazy old wizard. Tomorrow I want you to take that R2 unit down to arc your head and have its memory flushed. That'll be the end of it. Belongs to us now. But what if this Obi-Wan comes looking for him? He won't. I don't think he exists anymore. He died about the same time as your father. He knew my father? I told you to forget. Your only concern is to prepare those new droids for tomorrow. In the morning, I want them on the south ridge working out those condensers. Yes, sir. I think those new droids are going to work out fine, in fact. I, uh, I was also thinking about our agreement about me staying on another season. Now, if these new droids do work out, I want to transmit my application to the Academy this year. You mean the next semester full of harvest? Sure. There's more than enough droids. Purpose is what I need you most. Only one more season. This year we'll make enough on the harvest so I'll be able to hire some more hands. And then you can go to the academy next year. They must understand, I need you here, Luke. But it's a whole dollar a year. Look, it's only one more season. Yeah, that's what you said last year when Biggs and Tank left. Where are you going? Looks like I'm going nowhere. I have to finish cleaning them droids. Aaron! He can't stay here forever. Most of friends are gone. It means so much to him. I'll make it up to him next year, I promise. Luke's just not a farmer, Owen. He has too much of a spoiler in him. That's what I'm afraid of. Oh, thanks, Duster. That was sort of like the, uh, what was like, King of the Hill meets Star Wars. I liked it. Liked it a lot. Thanks for that. So, uh... And next up, you know, uh, I don't think a week uh, on the podcast would be complete unless we get something from our, our friends, the Moyers. So here are uh, two different segments, two different clips uh, that they put together, Rick and Nathan Moyer in both of them, I believe. Uh, I'll just play them back to back. So listen to them. Put that down. Hey, that's my dinner. Mm, how do you get so big eating food of this kind? Listen, friend, we didn't mean to land in that puddle. And if we could get our ship out, we would. But we can't. 
So why don't you just... Ah! Cannot get your ship out! Hey, you could have broken that! Don't do that! Oh, you're making a mess! Hey, give me that! Mine! Or I will help you not! There is no escape. Don't make me destroy you. You do not yet realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Join me, and I will complete your training. With our combined strength, we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. I'll never join you! Only knew the power of the dark side. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough! He told me you killed him! No. I am your father. No! No! That's not true! That's impossible! Search your feelings. You know it to be true. No! 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 Luke, you can destroy the Emperor. He has foreseen this. It is your destiny. Join me, and we can rule the galaxy as father and son. Come with me. It's the only way. No! Wow, everybody. That's uh, really some great stuff. Thanks a lot uh, to the Moyers, Duffster, and Kenny for those entries. And I've got my die here, and I'm going to roll. I'm glad I'm not really picking the winner here. I'm just going to randomize them. Uh, And this will be for the winner of the Art of the Phantom Menace book. Looks like uh, the first one, Kenny. Kenny from California, you win the book. Kenny, the Art of the Phantom Menace hardcover book. Hopefully that's something that you haven't collected yet. I know you're a pretty big collector. But, Kenny, uh, shoot me an email. I believe I have your address stuffed somewhere down in my Gmail account, but send me a new email. Let me know uh, where to send that book, and congratulations. And thanks to everyone that entered. I wish I had gotten a few more entries. Sometimes I think during the summer uh, people don't, uh, you know, maybe either listen to the podcast as much, although I'm getting just as many, actually more downloads than ever. But I think sometimes, you know, sitting down, making a recording takes a little more time and effort. But thanks to everyone that entered the contest. And I'm going to now switch gears, and we'll talk about a new collectible that I got. Okay, yeah, sometimes somebody's got to collect up uh, the the words and catchphrases. I'm noticing as, I, as doing these podcasts, we're up to show 126 now. I've got certain words, catchphrases that I use. I listen to a, uh, quite a few other podcasts, and everyone has their little terms. I, I, I'm switching gears. I'm noticing today that I keep uh, keep saying the, the phrase switching gears. I, I've got to... Uh, Maybe i got to create sort of new phrases to use for the show and write them down and put them on a post-it note in front of me so I don't. But uh, anyway, that there's another thing I, I like to say a lot anyway. So let's continue, everyone, without trying to use Rico's typical catchphrases. And then he's talking in a third person. <laughs> All right, got to wrap this up. Uh, but it's been a fun podcast. Really enjoyed talking about The Outer Limits. The collectible for this week. Uh, just got this, I think, two days ago now. came finally. It's a uh, a Gentle Giant, uh, the company Gentle Giant, uh, which you can find them at GentleGiantLTD.com on the web, on the internet. This is a uh, small statue of Princess Leia in her uh, uh, slave Leia outfit. Yes, the, the gold bikini from Return of the Jedi when she was Jabba's slave for a day, or whatever you want to say. This is, uh, it's about... Uh, maybe 10 inches by about uh, 5 inches high. I'm going to put some photos, of course, up in the collector's gallery. Uh, I think they did a really good job on this piece. Uh, let me tell you a few things. It's uh, it's obviously a, a statue. Uh, it's a, it's made out of, uh, you know, it's a cold cast resin type material, I believe. Uh, it's painted, of course, uh, very detailed. She's got a little chain that hangs off her neck from, you know, the chain that Jabba held on to and that she eventually used to to choke the life out of them anyway which uh you kind of wonder you know for all the years java had slaves probably and had that chain hanging around why no one thought about that sooner but anyway so she's uh she's in her slave outfit kind of laying on a little uh cloth uh nice little base uh it's a very stable piece of course since it's not standing she's laying down in a kind of a seductive little princess leia slave leia 
pose. Uh, the face, uh, one thing that I have to say about this Gentle Giant statue is that they really, I think, captured uh, the way Carrie Fisher, the way Princess Leia looked in Return of the Jedi. I think they did a great job on, on the face likeness. It's I've seen some other pictures online, and I'm going to post some up as well, like I said, but I think they really captured her face uh, very precisely. I'm not sure if they used any kind of scanning technique for this one or if it's just all hand-sculpted. I don't really know, but they did a good job. Uh, I'd say the, the paint application overall is about a B on a grade scale of, you know, a you know a school-type grading scale. They could have been a little tighter on the paint job. Uh, it, it's pretty good in most places. There's a couple of places they... They could have been a little bit tighter of, of, you know, a little steadier hand on the paint application. I'm a bit of an artist and amateur guy on that kind of thing, so uh, I know uh, a little bit about that kind of stuff. So it's it, it could have been a little bit better, but, you know, it's a production piece rather than a single one-time only, so you got to keep that in mind. Somewhere in China, there's some factory with people painting all these Princess Leia, Slave Leia pieces. But uh, overall, it's, it's really good. Some of the pictures uh, online I've seen, make this piece look a little shinier almost like it has a, a glossy finish to it but in person it really doesn't look like that at all to me it has a typical statue matte like finish uh the the skin tones i think are pretty good it's uh it's overall it's a really nice piece it's it's not the best it could have been i feel the uh the the hands there her hands are just a little too small it seems like she's kind of pressing down holding herself up in her pose but I, I, they just look a little odd to me. They don't quite look right. I mean, some people have said they're okay, they're in scale, but I, I don't know. They just look a little strange. Not bad, really. Not super noticeable. But uh, the other big thing about this statue that when it was first advertised months and months ago, when Gentle Giant per, first put this up for uh, pre-order back in the fall of uh, 2006, it's been a long time coming, uh, the the big controversy about this statue was, uh, let's just say, uh, Princess Leia's posterior, her bum, as the English like to call it, her bum, uh, the, the her slave lay a little outfit, you know, where it's got that cloth hanging down. Well, they were exposing a, a bit more. Uh, let's just say uh, Princess Leia looked like a plumber. She had a little more, a uh, uh, little more exposed of her posterior than maybe uh, Carrie Fisher and George Lucas were happy about. So they changed it. The cloth of her outfit now covers her uh, her bum up a little bit more. And, you know, that's not really a big thing. I mean, the, you know, Star Wars isn't meant to be, you know, this this uh, highly sexual, erotic, you know, statue thing. So I'm okay with that. I know there have been some collectors. Uh, there's a statue forum out there that I visit sometimes. And some of the collectors were all like, oh, oh it looks so cool before. It looks so sexy. And now they get rid of it. But... I'm not, it's not that big a thing for me, so. I think this is a good piece, though. The price is pretty decent. It's in the, you know, 120, 125 range for price, which isn't bad. Uh, so pick this up if you're a fan, of course, of uh, Princess Leia in this outfit. I think it's a definitely a worthwhile piece. It's a nice companion uh, to the Java pieces that Sideshow and uh, Gentle Giant have put out recently. So it's, it's a good piece and uh, companion for those items. So there you go. There's the Gentle Giant uh, Princess uh, Leia as Slave Leia from Return of the Jedi item. And I think, folks, uh, that's just about going to wrap things up for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed uh, hearing about the Outer Limits, uh, the collectibles, the contest, uh, some of the Star Trek and Star Wars news. Definitely check out that Robot Chicken special coming up for Star Wars. And check out the forums. It's a great place. Got some new members on there. Really fun stuff going on. And, of course, like I said earlier, you get the weekly uh, newsletter about the podcast if you sign up on the forum. So check it out at treksf.com. Next week's show, we're going to get back to Trek. Uh, probably going to be doing a Deep Space Nine episode. Haven't completely made up my mind. As always, I've got a few on a list, but it's most likely going to be Deep Space Nine. So check the main website or uh, uh, for a posting there. Uh, I also post it on the forums as well, if you remember. I will be posting that later today, what next week's show will be all about. And until then, and, and I also got to say, I'm, I'm going to try sometime very soon to get some more videos up, to get some video podcasting going again. I did that uh, experiment, a couple of them, a while back. I, I wanted to improve my equipment end of things better. I've got a couple ideas for a new camera, perhaps, uh, for doing uh, other sideshow type, uh, you know, maybe a, a little video cast each week. I don't know. I've got all kinds of ambitions, but not enough time uh, to do them all kinds of ideas and, and not enough time but that's that's good better to have no ideas you know uh better than having no ideas so 
So, uh, new and exciting things coming from uh, Rico and Trex in Sci-Fi in the coming months. Uh, I've even had the idea of doing a spin-off show, uh, but I've almost been kind of resisting it just because I think it will take over and consume my life if I if I create some other podcast on on top of this one. I like to keep this one and, and try to do a good job for everyone on it, and I didn't want this to suffer as well, you know, if I spun it off. But I might try to do a video uh, every couple of weeks at some point when I uh, when I get a chance. So. And with that, I think I'm going to sign off and get out of here and get this edited and uploaded. So I hope everyone enjoyed it. Thanks, as always, for listening. And uh, check out uh, the website and also check um, Podcast Alley. Throw a vote up. That would be great. Or uh, a comment up on iTunes if you enjoy the show. Always trying to get more uh, listeners to the podcast. So I will talk to everyone next time. Take care. Live long and prosper. May the force be with you. La, 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 la. All that good uh, stuff. So... Oh, is anyone else excited about this new Babylon 5 uh, thing they're doing, too? It looks pretty cool. I think that's coming up uh, out on a direct DVD release. I'm forgetting what they're calling it. Lost Tales? Yeah, Babylon 5 Lost Tales. So that should be kind of cool. Looking forward to that. For some reason, that just popped into my mind. I wanted to mention it. Rico, wrap it up, man. All right. (laughs) Everyone, have a great week. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. You said don't talk fast, so that's how you show excitement. All right, talk a little faster. Okay. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. This podcast, copyright 2007, all rights reserved.